How many know that God is a God of supernatural suddenlies? Do you know that? The Bible is clear that God is a God of supernatural suddenlies. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalm 30, verse 5. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, we read, And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. So you're seeking the Lord, and all of a sudden, suddenly, he comes to his temple. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, that as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Paul and Silas are in prison. They've been arrested for preaching the gospel. And uh, they, guys, they are in shackles. They've been beaten. They have every reason in the natural to complain, to be discouraged, to be depressed, to be angry at God. But what they do at midnight is they begin to worship the Lord. They begin to break out into praise, and they begin to sing songs and hymns unto God is what it says. And the Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly... Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Suddenly. Now, in every example we read in the New Testament and in the Old Testament of God answering his people suddenly, understand that there was always a situation, there was always a dilemma that they were in that required God to do something that only he could do. So if you want God to be the God of supernatural suddenly in your life, then you've got to understand that you need to be at a place where you don't know what to do, where you can't help yourself, where you're in trouble, where you have a problem, where you have circumstances, where you don't know your way out, how you're going to get through it. How many will still want to sign up? Right. Okay. So here he is. God is the God of supernatural suddenly. He wants to suddenly visit his people, answer their prayers, give them deliverance and breakthrough. Yet, this is a promise of God that we might live in abundance, that we might see amazing answers to our prayers, that we might experience overflow, that we'll have more than we need to do whatever God has called us to do, as well as to have our personal needs met. Yet, in Scripture... We see people who struggled before they had their supernatural suddenly from God. Come on now. Think about that. Before Jason, think about Joseph, right? Joseph went from the, Joseph went from the pit to prison, then to the palace. David was in the wilderness. David was in a place of isolation. So was Moses on the backside of the desert for a long period of time before they had their supernatural suddenly. So it is a place that God wants us to go through. And many of the Lord's people today, this promise of God being the, the God of supernatural suddenlies, God answering their prayers, God sorting everything out, God shifting things in their life, God making uh, good on his word and his promises and answering you and pouring out his blessing upon you. For many people who are Christians in our culture today, this seems far-fetched and unachievable because their life has not been marked by this in any way. But you're in good company. Neither were many of the saints of old. They had to go through disaster before they experienced deliverance. 
They had to go through setbacks before they had and achieved success. Delusionment before their dreams were fulfilled. Poverty before they broke through into prosperity. This is a promise of God, that he is still the God of supernatural suddenlies. Many people, you know, the word in Proverbs 13, verse 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? One translation says, unrelenting disappointment makes the heart sick. Another translation says, when hope's dream seems to drag on and on, the delay can be depressing. How many know that? Come on, look at your neighbor and say this morning, the delay can be depressing. <laughs> the delay can be depressing, right? It, the delay can be depressing. Now, the fact is, God is a God of supernatural suddenlies. He wants to answer his people. He wants us to experience supernatural breakthroughs in our lives. I want you to look at this scripture in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 3 in the New Living Translation. This is God speaking. Look at this. Long ago, I told you what I was going to, uh, what I was going, what was going to happen. Long ago, God says, I told you what was going to happen. Then suddenly I took action and all my predictions or all my promises came to pass. Wow. God says, I told you I'm going to do it. But when did he say that? Long ago. There's a delay. But don't understand. Don't, don't be confused here. God's delay is not his denial. God's delay is not his denial. Long ago, I told you what was going to happen. Long ago, I made you this promise. Long ago, I said, I'm going to do this in your life. Long ago. Okay, God, I've been waiting. Where are you? Why? Why is weeks, months, sometimes years dragged on before I experience your sudden intervention, your sudden action in my life. Why? Well, there are at least three reasons why we experience delay. Again, understand that delay is not denial. There are at least three reasons why we experience delay. First of all, Satan's prevention. Do you think that the devil wants you to walk in the blessing of God? Do you think that Satan is going to leave the word of God unchallenged in your life? Some people just think that, oh, yeah, God told me it's going to happen. It's going to happen. There won't be any challenges. There won't be any, any testing. There won't be any waiting. It's just going to come to pass. But this is something that we don't understand. And I've heard people say, well, you know, in the, the old covenant, the enemy had power to be able to hinder the fulfillment of God's promises. But in the new covenant, he has absolutely no power. When God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. There's a problem with that. The Bible teaches the exact opposite. Look at the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2.18. How many believe that Paul was a man of faith? How many believe that Paul was a man who raised the dead, walked in signs and wonders, saw breakthrough in, in many areas, but yet here Paul acknowledges that for we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan, what? Blocked our way. One translation says Satan hindered our coming to you. Satan stopped us. Satan blocked us. It's a Greek word, ekopto. And the Greek word, ekopto, literally means to create a roadblock. 
It's used in Galatians chapter 5 when it says that you were running a good race who cut in on you. And it speaks of two people in a race or runners in a race. And one runner is progressing. He's going well. And it looks like he's going to win the race. But then someone trips him up. Someone knocks him down so that he's not able to complete the race. And the exact same word that is used here in 1 Thessalonians 2.14. Satan tries to knock you down. Satan tries to stop you. Satan tries to hinder you, to block you, to prevent you from going in certain directions. And this is what Paul spoke of. Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. We see this in the life of Daniel. Daniel had been praying. He had been fasting. And the scripture says that the angel Gabriel appeared to him after 21 days. And the angel said, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. So when was his request heard in heaven, guys? Right? The very first day, correct? All right. But listen to this. I've come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. For 21 days, the spirit prince of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, who was Michael? Who is Michael? He's an angel. He's an archangel. What is he? He's a fighting angel, correct? He is the fighting angel. He is the warrior angel. So what happens is Michael is dispatched, and Michael came to help Gabriel. This is profound. And it says, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Wow. God says, I've heard your prayer. I've heard what you've been asking me, but there's been spiritual resistance. The enemy has been trying to block the, the answer from coming to you. The enemy has been trying to shut you down and hinder your way. The second reason why we experience delay is the believer's procrastination. The believer's procrastination. What do I mean by that? Look at this scripture in 2 Corinthians 10, 6. Paul says, we'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Do you understand that God's saying there's some things that I cannot do. I cannot stop the enemy. I cannot shut down what he's trying to do in your life. Because if you read this passage, the context is spiritual warfare. And he's saying, but I can't even intervene in this situation because you've not been obedient. There's an area in your life where you're not being obedient. You're procrastinating your obedience. One day I'll do it. And sometimes we rationalize what we call partial. It's really partial obedience, right? Well, I've obeyed God. I've done what he said, but we haven't fully done what he said. And as a result, partial obedience is still disobedience. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 36 through 39 says this. When you're waiting for God to answer your prayers, when you're waiting for God to do a miracle for your life, what posture should we adopt? It says very clearly, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he's promised. 
If there's any area in your life where you're not fulfilling the will of God, you're not necessarily going to receive what he's promised you. There has to be a place of completed obedience. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Suddenly, God says, there's going to be a supernatural suddenly. But my righteous one, my righteous son, my righteous daughter will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Hallelujah. What a promise that God has given to us in his word, that we are to be obedient. We are to put ourselves in a position where we do what God has called us to do, not to procrastinate obedience, but to fulfill obedience. The third reason for delay is God's preparation. Yes, you can put all the blame on God right here. God's preparation. Again, we've already looked at this scripture long ago. I told you what I was going to, what was going to happen. Think of it this way. God's saying, remember when I told you what I wanted to do, what I will do, what I promised? Remember when I told you that? Come on now. Remember? Yeah, vaguely, Lord. That was a long time ago. Uh, well, remember that because suddenly I'm going to take action and my word is going to come to pass. It will happen. But there is a process in preparation where I have to do something in your life to prepare you to be able to responsibly carry what it is that I am entrusting to you. You may think you're ready how many know that when we say, God, I'm ready for the promises, I'm ready for the abundant life, I'm ready to be super blessed, and God just kind of looks at us and shakes his head and laughs. I says, you have no idea. You have no idea, right? Yeah, you know, it's like when a kid says, I'm ready to drive a car. And it's like, oh, good Lord. Can't they make it 25 or something, the legal driving age? You know what I'm saying? There's so much that happens in between the promise, the prophecy, and the fulfillment of the promise. There is a preparation process. And what is it that God wants to do? And what is it that he is doing? Why is it that he just didn't answer your prayer? He's promised you, I'm going to take care of you. He's promised you, if you're in between jobs, that he's going to look after you. He's going to give you a job. He's promised you that, that your household shall be saved. He's promised you that I heal all your sicknesses and disease. He's promised you that I will take care of you and you'll have more than enough. What happens is God says, oh, I'm going to need to bring you to a place of complete and utter dependence on me. It's called the sentence of death. And 2 Corinthians 1.9, Paul said, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. There's a place that God is trying to bring us where we stop relying on ourselves. You know, restoration, a prerequisite of restoration is rest, right? Did you notice the word rest is, in the, is embedded in the, in, in the bigger word restoration? There is no restoration until we learn to rest. Rest 
promises of God. Trust him. What are you trying to do in me, God? Why is it that I'm going through this? Well, remember Abraham. In Hebrews eleven twelve, it says, And so from this one man, and he as good as dead. What? Abraham was as good as dead. Why did God not answer his prayer? Why did God not bless him when he said, Abraham, that's it, I'm going to bless you. But God waited till in the natural it was impossible. Abraham was barren. Sarah was barren. And not only were they barren, they were too old biologically to have kids. It's not like, you know, they, they could do something to help them and they were still young enough to have children. There was nothing in the natural that would cause them to be able to see the fulfillment of God's promise. But God says, this one man, from this one man, Abram, and as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Wow. So good. Wow. Then we go to Romans chapter 4. And we gain more insight into this particular man and, and the, the waiting that he went through. You know, the Bible says, against all hope. Come on. Against all hope. And we not say this morning in Proverbs 13, verse 12 says, hope, what? Deferred, right? So what does it mean? Against all hope. In the natural, God is a God who causes us to believe against all hope. And faith, guys, is not faith if there is hope in the natural. You say, I've got hope that the doctors are going to do this. I've got hope that the economy is going to turn this way. I've got hope. You listen to me for a second. Can I say to us this morning that while we are in that place where we are still somewhat depending and looking to man, it's really not faith at all. Faith is faith in God. And either we have 100% faith in God, I'm not looking to man, I'm not trusting in man, I know God uses man, I know God uses people, but I'm not looking to them. I'm looking to him. And there's even a time in our life where we begin to learn that we don't talk to people about our needs, but we talk to God. And, and if God wants to talk to some people about situations and circumstances, he does that. And he can do that well to those who have an ear to hear. And he'll always find someone who has an ear to hear. He might have to bypass quite a few to get that and find that person. But he will find someone sooner or later. So against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. There we go again. We have the sentence of death in us that we might not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief. He did not doubt. He did not vacillate. But what did he do? Regarding the promise of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Listen, in the process of waiting for God to answer, in that place of believing for the outcome, for the suddenly of God, there will be times when your faith will become weak. There will be times when you're, I don't know if I can continue. I don't know if I can carry on. I don't know if I can keep believing. 
And, and we even know that there was a moment where Abraham actually intervened and tried to, to, to uh, you know, do, do something in the natural to, to bring fulfillment to the promise. He had, uh, it ended up that Sarah got involved and Hagar and, and then Ishmael was born. We know the story, right? But listen to this. There's a point where Abraham realized, you know what? I tried to help God out. It didn't work didn't go very well. So here I am again, back to square one. Hell, come on now. Have you ever been there? Like, yeah, well, you know what? I really believe God has told me to do this. And then we go and we do it. And then it doesn't work out. It doesn't go as planned. And we actually sometimes even get ourselves in trouble and predicaments in a mess. And what ends up happening? God says, who told you to do that? Well, God, I was just trying to, you know, help the situation here. And, and God's saying, I can take care of you quite well. I can take care of everything. I run the whole universe and I, I never sleep. And I know what every person is thinking every second of the, of the day. I can take care of this by myself quite well. Thank you very much. And what ends up happening though is we realize, okay, so God's called me back to square one, back to the beginning. The lesson that we were to learn, we did not learn. We were tested, but we did not pass the test, so we have to go back and write it again. And so God says, I want you to recognize that even in this time when your faith is weak, even in it seems like, where is God? Why is it taking so long for these promises to come to pass? God is saying, trust me, and while you're waiting, if you keep relying upon me and leaning on me, he said, I'm going to strengthen your faith so that you're going to be able to continue believing. How many times have I been, have you been at a place where I felt I couldn't believe any longer, I couldn't trust any longer? God, I don't know how much longer it's going to take. I don't know if I can cope. I don't know if I can hang on. But God says, keep believing, keep believing, keep believing, keep trusting, keep trusting. And then he does something supernatural to strengthen our faith. And we look at things in the natural and we go, oh my gosh, the promise that you've made, the promise of what you've said, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. It doesn't look like the people are responding. It doesn't look like my prayer is being answered. And God says, just keep believing, keep trusting, keep trusting me, keep praying and keep waiting and watch what I do. Like Abraham, the day will come when what God has impregnated you with shall be birthed and come to pass. See, the Lord is testing you. You want a testimony, right? So you got to be tested. So the Bible says in Psalm 105, 19, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Wow. I want my dreams fulfilled. All right, let's chuck you in a pit. Let's throw you in a prison for seven years. What? God? Right? Well, surely the butler, the baker, they're going to help me out. They're going to remember. I'm going to be, I won't be here too long. It might just be a year. Joseph was in prison for seven years. Seven years, completely innocent, didn't do anything wrong. And here he is. And then suddenly, suddenly, the, the Pharaoh called for him. Suddenly, things shifted. Suddenly, he was, he was summoned. He was called upon. And he was told to come out of that prison. 
and he was promoted to a place of power and prestige in the palace. Wow. Testing. See, there are three phases in experiencing a supernatural suddenly of God. First of all, there's the phase of prophecy, which is a declaration of the Lord, the word of the Lord. The Lord says, this is what I'm going to do. The Lord speaks, and he says, this is my promise. I will save your family. I will restore your health. I will heal your and reconcile your marriage relationship. I will bless your business. I will set you free from, from this inner battle, whatever it is that you're dealing with. I'm going to do it. So there's a declaration of the word of the Lord. And then secondly, there's preparation. And during the time of preparation, there's actually a delay to the answer. Thirdly, there's the promise. Deliverance comes. Deliverance of the promise. You see, what happens is there comes a point where God says, enough is enough. There'll be no more delay. There'll be no more waiting. The time is come. Every promise will be fulfilled. The Bible says that Jesus came to the earth in the fullness of time. The fullness of time. What did that mean? It meant there was a specific time. There was a, an appointed season when Jesus would come. And when that time came, when God looked at the earth and he saw what was happening, he saw the condition of the people, and God said, now is the fullness of time. Now is the Kairos moment. Now is the day when I will answer and I will deliver my people. Psalm 102, verse 12 and 13, but you, O Lord, shall endure forever remembrance of your name to all generations you will rise and have mercy on zion for the time to favor her yes the set time has come god says the set time has come my son and my daughter is ready my son and my daughter have waited long enough there has been a word that has been released. There has been spiritual battles and resistance, and the enemies tried to prevent the promise from coming to pass. But my children have prayed. They fasted. They kept believing. They've been tested. They've been prepared. They've been thrown into the fire of much affliction, and they've come out purified as gold and silver, and they did not give up, and they did not lose heart, even when everything opposed them. And in the natural, there was no hope. In the natural, there was no answer. They kept believing. And now the time has come. Now I see their hearts. Now I know they trust me. Now they've been purified. Now they no longer lean on their own understanding. Now they fully embrace my promises. Now they look to me and not to man. Now they've let go and they've learned to rest and say, God, here I am. Have your way. Bring to pass your promise. So how do we wait? <laughs> well, remember the word, right? In Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who wait on the Lord, right, shall renew their strength, right? They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let me ask you a question. If you're waiting on God, like you say you are, is it producing these results? Is your strength being renewed? Are you mounting up with wings like eagles? Are you running now? You're not weary. You're walking. You're not fainting. Or is 
something antithetical to this occurring. If that's the case, if it is the latter and not the former, then, guys, may I submit to us this morning in humility and in fear of God that we really are not waiting on God. You see, the word that is translated wait in the Hebrew language here is not a term of passivity. It is not a term of resignation where you sit there and go, hey, God, one of these days, whenever you are in the right mood or whenever you'd like to, here I am. The word wait in the Hebrew language means to take two cords or two strands and to twist it together so that it becomes one. It means to bind together and strengthen through the process of twisting and making two or more one. So it speaks of our, the fact that when we're waiting on God, that we're becoming one with him. We're becoming one with him. We're becoming closer to him. Christ in us. We are in Christ. There's this work with which we are becoming stronger. We're strengthened. We're becoming more intimate with him. And as a result of this, what ends up taking place is we now see the fruit of our commitment of true waiting, which is renewing our strength. We mount up with wings so we can fly. We run and we don't become weary. We walk and we're not fainting. If these, if the opposite is occurring in our life, guys, then we're not fully engaging in the process of biblical waiting. We might be waiting for God, but we're not waiting on God. And there's a massive difference. If I go to a restaurant and I order food, have you ever been there where, like, you're just, okay, guys, I'm ready. You can take my order. I know what I want to eat. And you're waiting. And you're waiting. Where is your server? Where is the person who's going to take? And you're waiting. And you're waiting. But yet, they're called a waiter, aren't they? But you don't want that waiter or that waitress to be sitting in a chair somewhere in the corner and you finally have to get up and walk up to them and say, hey, you know what? We're ready to order. We know what we want to eat. Can you please come and help us? And they said, I'm doing my job. I'm a waiter. I'm a waitress. I'm just waiting. <laughs> and it's like, I need to come to you. And you're supposed to come to me. And that's the way it is with God. He's saying, it's not just me coming to you. You need to come to me. The Bible says that if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. There's a place where we wait on God. We're not waiting for God. We're waiting on God. And as a result, what happens is we become stronger. The second point on waiting for God, Habakkuk chapter 2 talks about vision or revelation. It says, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets. First thing you need to do is when you're waiting, and I believe this is Habakkuk 2, somewhere around verse 2 through 4. The first thing that you need to do is you need to write down the promise. What has God told you? What has God promised you? Write it down. Make it plain. Remember, he can do immeasurably more than we could ask, think, or imagine. So write it down. What has he said? Now, Secondly, understand the revelation. The promise awaits an appointed time. There's an appointed time. It speaks of the end. 
Okay? It's something in the future. It's, it's not necessarily going to happen right now. In fact, we'll see this in the next part of this verse. It will not prove false. It will come to pass. If it's really God, if it's really his word, it will come to pass. You write it down. You wait. And then what happens is at the appointed time, it will not prove false. Listen to this. Though it linger, wait for it. Now, he did not say, just in case it lingers a little bit, or just in case there may be a time where you have to wait. Just hang in there, guys, because this may happen. No, he said, though it linger. In other words, it's going to linger. There will be a waiting period. There will be a time of testing. There will be a time when you say, God, why aren't you answering me? Why is this taking so long? Why is there a delay in my life? What is going on here? Though it linger, wait for it. Wait. Bind together by twisting. Become one in the waiting process. Don't become discouraged. Press into God. Pray more. Worship more. Acknowledge the truth of God's word. Decree his promises. Speak to yourself. Speak to your mountain. Remind yourself of God's promises. Remind him of his promises, Isaiah 62, 8 says. And as we do that, then what happens is God says, just wait, wait, trust Thank you, Father. I know you're up to something. I thank you, Father. And you know what, Lord? I know it might take a little bit of extra time because I got a lot of things to sort out in me. There's a lot, I'm, I'm stubborn. I'm resistant. There's, I want to do it on myself. I'm a, I'm a self-medicator. I'm a self-fixer. And God, they're, they're, I, you've got to sort some things out of me and you've got to work in my life and bring me to that place. I recognize that. And however long it takes, Lord, I just want to, I just want you to say, speak to me. I want you to do your work in me. I don't want to delay the process or procrastinating my obedience. But Lord, I want to fully yield. I want to fully submit to you. And as I do, I know you promised you're going to bring it to pass. Israel was brought out of Egypt. God said you're going into the promised land, right? Do you know when you study that carefully, God actually said something very different than that. You know, I always heard it preached, always heard it taught. God brought us out, what? To take us in, right? He did not bring me out to take me back again. He brought me out to bring me into the promised land, amen? And God, I thank you for taking me out of Egypt and bringing me in to Canaan, the land of milk and honey overflowing. You know, Egypt was a place of not enough. Canaan's a place of more than enough. And we preach that and we prophesy that and we declare all these things. But God actually said to Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go that they might worship me in the desert. He didn't say, let my people go so I can take them into the promised land, give them a nice, posh, cozy lifestyle, but 
There's a work. There's a process. There's a preparation that has to take place in their life. And so before I take them into the promised land, I've got to bring them into the wilderness. So you go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go that they may keep a feast before me in the wilderness. He said three times that they might worship me in the wilderness. They might praise me in the wilderness. They might keep a feast before me in the wilderness. So before you're going into the place of more than enough, you've got to learn that God is just enough. God's all that you need. He's the, you don't need anyone else. You don't need anything else. You don't need Jesus in psychology. You don't need Jesus in prosperity. You don't need Jesus and medical science. You don't need Jesus and anything else. All you need is Jesus, and in him is everything that we have need of. He is our healer. He is our deliverer. He is our way maker. He's the one who will set us free and take us in. So though it linger, wait for it. Why? It will certainly come to pass and will not delay. (laughs) What do you mean it will not delay? You just said it'll linger. But now you're saying there's no delay. Yes. You know why? Because suddenly, suddenly, meaning it'll be there's a period of waiting, there's a period of time, but suddenly God's going to answer you. Suddenly, when you least expect it, suddenly, when you think it's just going to be another day, suddenly, when you don't expect it, and and sometimes someone gets a word spoken over their life, a prophetic word, and God says it's a time, and God says it's now, and then it doesn't happen the first week, and then they get all discouraged. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I know when God says it's time, right? Somebody says, well, God said it was time 25 years ago. Yeah, and a day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. So today is a day of salvation. Do you understand what I'm saying? But the point is when God says it's time, a set time has come. There'll be no more delay. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to answer you. I'm going to, I'm going to open the doors. And God said, because I've seen what's been happening. There's been a fight. You've pressed in. You've contended with the enemy. You kept believing, and you've broken through his hindrance work. You've allowed me to do the work that needs to happen in your life. You fully submitted to me. You're no longer being disobedient. There might be something in your life this morning that God is saying, you know what, until you get this sorted out, until you align this with my word, I'm not able to bring you into your destiny. I'm not able to fully give you everything that I've promised you. And you can say all you want, God, where are you? When is this going to happen like the children of Israel the maximum time they should have been in the wilderness is 18 months but they spent 40 years and that generation died there because they never got it right and they never possessed what God promised wait on God wait on him trust him he's good but allow him to do the work he needs to do in your life content The enemy is going to fight for you, against you. He's going to try to stop your destiny from coming to pass. He's going to give you a push. Hey, go ahead. Do this. Run this way. Go that way. And then we run ahead of God and we get ourselves in trouble. And sometimes we're afraid. We're we're, we're paralyzed by fear. And and so we dig in our heels and we, we won't walk with Jesus. Remember the time when I was in America... And there's a great evangelist from Pakistan. And he and his family had been persecuted. They had to flee their country. 
And they fled there, and they eventually ended up in, I believe it was, in Jordan. And then from Jordan, they were able to receive asylum in the United States. I knew this man through Facebook. We talked many times. And so I was ministering at this particular church in, in a place called Fort Myers, Florida. And while I was there ministering, this man came forward, and I saw his wife, and she, she, he spoke English, but she didn't. And I looked at her. She looked very solemn. She looked very saddened. And I said, Lord, what's wrong with this lady? I mean, they, have almost, they were almost killed, and, and here she is. You think she'd be so happy, so excited. They've got freedom now. They've got protection and safety, and they've got the potential to be prosperous and start a, a new life. And she was so unhappy. And I just looked at her, and as I was preaching, the Holy Spirit gave me a vision. In the vision, I kid you not, I saw this woman, and I saw Jesus. And it was like Jesus was walking down a suburban American street. And he was walking, and he had this smile on his face, and I heard him. He was talking back and forth to this woman. They were just talking, and I saw this big smile on his face, and he turns around, and he looks at her, and he says, come on, come on, let's go. But she didn't want to come. She didn't want to follow, and Jesus said, come on, let's go. I've got such a good life plan for you. I've got, so, I've got a great day plan for you. I've got so much I want you to experience, but come. And this lady was just dragging her feet, digging in her heels. She was re reticent to go and walk with Jesus. And he wasn't angry. And when I looked, saw his face, he just looked at her and he had just smiled and, and, and in the love that was just emanating from him. And he just looked at her and he just said, I just want to spend time with you. And, and I just want to bless you. And, and I've got so much good planned for your life. Why are you shrinking back? Why are you drawing away? I, there's so much I want to do. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit said to me, she doesn't want to be here. She's not happy living in this country. But I brought her here. Tell her that she needs to rejoice in the God of her salvation. Tell her that I've delivered her for a purpose and I've got a plan. But she has to learn to yield and she has to learn to trust me and stop resisting what I'm doing. And if she does and when she does, it'll go well with her. So through an interpreter, I shared that word. The woman began to weep. She acknowledged that it was true. She was complaining every day. I hate it here. I hate it here. Why can't we go back home? Because we'll get killed. Oh, maybe we won't. Maybe we can go back home. Maybe things will be okay after time. And God said, no, no. My plan is for them to stay here. My plan is for them to recognize what it is I want to do in their life. As we yield to the Father, Whew, I feel the anointing of God as we yield to the Father in every area of our lives. We will be blessed, and God will answer our prayers. He will save our families. He will deliver us from our enemies. He will. Hello, this is Discover. 
And we take customer service very seriously. We know that if you have a question or concern about your credit card, that's a serious matter. And you need to talk to a real person about it. So we offer around-the-clock access to seriously talented representatives in the USA. Again, it's a serious endeavor. The only funny thing about it is Bob. If you call us and Bob answers, you're in for a treat. Get 100% U.S.-based customer service and talk to a real person day or night. Discover exceptionally common sense.